Welcome to Mindfully Well, your place to get the tools and tips you need to connect to a deeper sense of wellness, naturally and simply. This podcast is for change-seeking women who are curiously devoted to their health and ultimately having a positive impact on the world around them. I'll be diving into everything that can help us live mindfully well, one episode at a time. I'm your host, Ailey. Okay, so I personally believe that there's a gateway experience that leads us down the road of better understanding our health. There's something that helps us understand what works and doesn't work for us personally. There's like this tiny moment or thing or that triggers everything inside of us to kind of dive deeper. And this gateway experience can like happen at any time in our lives, which is really cool, right? So like you could be, like you're never too old to start caring about your health or too young to start caring about your health. So whether it's like a gym membership or a diagnosis that prompts you to change your ways or just like a book or an article you read, I think that starting on your personal journey is actually pretty simple. My gateway into healthier living was food. So that's what we'll be talking about today. My journey with eating real food, what I've learned so far, questions I get all the time, and some simple ways for you to get curious about your beliefs and habits related to, and sometimes not related to, but affects, your relationship with food. I do have a few disclaimers to add before we get started. So you can't see me right now, but when I say clean eating, I typically use quotes. I do this because what I'm trying to communicate is that I'm just eating real food, and clean eating is the closest term to communicate that simply. So when I say clean eating, it doesn't mean clean eating all day, every day, 100% perfectly. It just means eating real food. I bring this up because I have a few guides and ebooks that I'll mention here, and they're called clean eating guides and clean eating challenges, but their intent is to get more people eating real food as often as possible not doing it perfectly every day until we die. So that's point one. Point two is that this podcast is not, I repeat, not here to advise anyone with serious health concerns, nor is it intended to be taken as any form of medical advice. This is just my experience and what I've learned for myself so far and what works for me. If you do have any serious health concerns or just questions about your health in general, please see a doctor that you trust and that will listen to you and take time to help you. Um, That is not me yet. So without further ado, we'll get started. at an ice cream shop for almost six years as a teenager and into my early 20s. And I ate ice cream every day, like loads of ice cream every day. Um, My favorite food as a kid was like macaroni and chicken nuggets and sneaking fingerfuls of chocolate frosting out of the pantry when no one was looking. So I didn't really grow up eating like healthy, real, whole foods. My mom cooked great meals, but I didn't know anything about nutrition myself. Um, So (laughs) 
Uh, I used to sit in the kitchen most nights watching my mom cook, but I didn't know how to cook myself, which seems really odd looking back. Um, And in the age of like microwavable meals and fast food, convenience was like the key to my oh-so-busy ice cream scooping full-time student life. I was just so busy all the time, or so I thought. I did stay pretty busy, but you know, there was some drama added to that. Um, but one day, my my friend and my coworker gave me a book that he thought I would like to read, and it was called Wheat Belly. So this book catapulted me into paleo eating, and you know, I haven't read it since 2011 or 12 or whenever. I don't. I'll have to look up when it came out. And I don't remember, I just remember the book having a profound impact on me. I can't say it's like the best book I've ever read, but something in it like triggered this new curiosity in myself. So it's not like a book that I would say everyone has to read type of thing, but it's what did it for me. So once I got into like paleo eating and all of that really curious whole foods type of mentality, I watched the movie Food, Inc. And... (laughs) If you haven't seen it, Food Inc. is a documentary about the food industry. It's mortifying and it's just terrible. So (laughs) it's terrible in a really wonderful way. You should watch it. And it's a documentary, so it's coming at it from a lens of extremity, but (laughs) it's really good. Um, So I quickly became appalled with the food industry as a whole and I knew I, I knew like a lot needed to change, like everything. Throw it all out and start over, basically, is how I felt. So those were the two tiny things that shifted everything for me, reading that book and watching that documentary. So after I was quote-unquote paleo for a while, I was kind of dabbling and trying to figure out what it all meant, because I had no idea. So I was trying, but it wasn't until I discovered Whole30 which is a 30-day elimination challenge. I wouldn't call it a diet because it certainly isn't sustainable long-term in my opinion, but it's a really cool elimination challenge where you eliminate soy, dairy, grains, sugar, alcohol, and legumes. So once I discovered Whole30, like I ran out of the gates full speed ahead. Like I was ready and like gung-ho in all of it. My first Whole30, I taught myself how to cook. And this was a huge endeavor and um, experience for me because I hadn't cooked before. I, you know, I'd cooked some macaroni here and there and microwaved meals, but I'd never cooked for myself regularly. So I had no idea what I was doing. I would leave messes all over the kitchen and drive my mom crazy. And I was like hell bent to sticking to the rules. I was completely hooked and I was not budging. My second Whole30, I convinced a few other people to join me and like really, really thrived on holding their hands through this process because I was such a firm believer after the first time. I like, this is going to sound so crazy, but I felt like I was like leading people to the light. Like this magical place that I couldn't believe I lived without for so long. I had to show the world. I... (laughs) I was a believer. I'm still a believer of the program. I think Whole30 is wonderful. But as I continue to tell this story, you'll understand why it's not quite sustainable long-term. And that's why they have a lot of programs in place for like food freedom and 
life after Whole30 and stuff that didn't really exist when I started doing this work. So I just thought Whole30 was the way of life forever. Turns out the founders also knew there needed to be some sort of freedom enmeshed into this way of thinking in order to like stay sane and enjoy life. So the resources out there are amazing now. But when I started, it was really just the book, It Starts With Food, and a few different blogs that kind of helped you through it all. So my third Whole30, I was like in the swing. I would do a Whole30 every three months, basically, for one month. So I was like completely in the swing. I would go to happy hours without messing up or needing a drink. I could navigate client dinners and meetings like a pro. Like there was nothing that was going to sway me into like bending the rules or breaking my whole thirties. By my fourth or fifth, maybe even sooner than that, I became like disgusted with the bread aisle at the grocery store. Like you know the smell of the bread aisle when you go? I hated that smell. I was so mad and disgusted by it because it was wheat and it was bad in my mind. So (laughs) I think about it now and it's really funny, but um, I quickly adopted the phrase, I don't eat that. And I would say, I don't eat that all the time. I would kind of shame my friends and became very judgmental of anyone who wasn't eating the way I was eating. And... (laughs) It was a little ugly, probably. I apologize, y'all. I was really into this. And yeah, I was kind of high and mighty on like my I don't eat that train. So I grew out of that, thankfully. Um, Around my sixth, seventh, or eighth Whole30, I wrote an ebook called The 30-Day Clean Eating Guide that I was really, I'm still really proud of, but I was really, really proud of. I poured hours and hours and hours into this ebook where it's basically four weeks of meal plans, grocery list, and step-by-step instructions on exactly what you need to do every single day to eat Whole30 or clean for 30 days. Um, I think it's a beautiful ebook. It still exists. You can go get it if you want. You know? But that was like my, my baby that I creatively created out of this process. I also created and still create free resources and host challenges where I gave people prizes for participating and challenged them to tune into why they were doing the thing and what's going on with them and how they can better navigate this challenge they were trying to engage with. I I started helping a lot of people go through this process and it felt really good. Like I it gave me this sense of purpose with health that I hadn't experienced yet because I worked in advertising. So this was kind of my first my first taste of helping people feel better and look better physically because there was weight loss involved and more energy and all. It's just, it was really powerful for me to help these people know what they were capable of. So it was around this time that I started to understand the impact of eating like whole real foods and what that has on us. By my ninth whole 30, I had started dating Chandler and I was starting to soften with my extreme like rigidity with these rules and this way of eating, thankfully. Like when I met him, I was afraid he was going to be healthier than me, (laughs) which thank God he wasn't. He's very healthy. But I think we were both a little nervous that either of us were going to be super healthy or like very adamant about our ways of being. And we're pretty much the same, thank goodness. But 
Um, I was going through my 200-hour yoga teacher training and learning a lot about myself and how to find balance in all of the stuff that I was interested in and all of the stuff that would challenge me and come up for me. So I was in this like really cool fluctuating space of learning and growing. By my 10th hole 30, I had asked Chandler if he wanted to do it again, and he's like, yeah, let's do it. Sounds great. Like, I like how I feel when we do that. And we were kind of all in, but I think it was, I don't remember if it was the 10th or the 9th, where he started getting um, haircuts at this place called Beards and Beers, where they like give you a beer while they cut your hair and your beard and whatever. And he came home and I could smell the beer on his breath. And it was like day two of Whole30. And I was like, did you drink a beer? And he was like, well, yeah, I wanted to drink a beer. And to me, that was just like, what? Oh my God, Like, how could you do that? That's so crazy. I could never do that. And he just kind of like giggled and went about his way. And I, I was shocked. I was like, holy cow, I could never, I could never like quit the rules. So that was like the first moment where I, I saw my un- uncomfortableness with <laughs> breaking rules of things that I've like committed to. So one night we were, during our 10th hole 30, my 10th hole 30, we were playing a board game. Chandler mentioned that we changed the rules a little. Like, let's bend the rule and like make the game more like this and like make it our own. And I looked at him like he was crazy. I was like, no, these are the rules. This is how we're playing. Why would we change them? And then he just kind of looked at me and he was like, what? This, it's just us. Like we can, we're allowed to change the rules, Haley. And as soon as he said that, I was like, holy cow, we are allowed, like, we're allowed to change the rules. In case you need to hear that again, we're allowed to change the rules. Oh my God, like this was revolutionary for me. Like I had no idea. And like, I did have an idea. I'm not a super rule follower, but when I'm committed to something, like the rules are the rules and that's the way, or that's how it was anyway. So... (laughs) Um, his like little comment triggered something for me where I, I finally understood that I'm allowed to break whole 30. I'm allowed to change a board game that we're playing to make it more fun or interesting or challenging or whatever. And you can do that. <laughs> no one's going to stop you. It's just, I still laugh about it because it's, it was such a silly moment and we were just having a good time playing the game. But for me, it was like a huge learning lesson where I finally saw my like rigidity with the way that I was approaching everything. So in short, a few things that I've learned from 10 long, wonderful, challenging, and like informational Whole30s is Whole30 for me is not sustainable or pleasurable 365. Like I, there's no way. I love chocolate. I love wine. I like love living life to the fullest in a moment. So that was not, I, yeah, I kind of thought I would do Whole30s every three months for the rest of my life. And I don't now. And it's such a lifted weight. So for me, that's not, I don't do Whole30 anymore. Um, another thing I learned is that I always discover new things about myself through looking at and paying attention to my consumption habits. It's really interesting to just like be the observer of whatever's going on and like take from it what you what you notice what you don't notice or whatever's going on um I've learned a lot about myself that way um learning how to cook is the most empowering 
creative, nourishing activity you can give yourself to, you know, it's essential. You have to eat, you have to, you have to consume food in order to live. So getting interested in cooking and like cooking how you like to cook and not how someone else tells you or whatever is really fun. I love cooking. Everything you put in your body contributes to your wellness or inhibits it. Like anytime we put something in, it's either beneficial or not. So give your body what it needs. This isn't always the same as what it wants, by the way. But the more you do this work, you'll like get in tune with what that is. And yeah, everything that you consume is either making you or allowing you to be well or not. <laughs> oh, this is a good one. Saying no, thank you is a birthright. It is not rude or high and mighty. It's necessary. Say, you don't even have to put the thank you on there. Just say no. I had so many times during Whole30s where people would keep offering me stuff and offering me stuff and pushing me to consume what they were consuming. And I had to stay firm and say, no, I'm good. No, thank you. I'm fine. I brought my own salad dressing or whatever the case may be. Say no and get really, really like no happy. Like just throw the nose everywhere. It's great. Another thing that I learned was that just as we act differently depending on who we're with, we likely eat differently around different people. So pay attention to that. I'm at home at my parents' house right now visiting in Indiana, and I am eating like weird, not stuff that I would ever eat. I ate a piece of cheesecake in the middle of the day yesterday, and my body didn't quite like that. So that was a good lesson. But I'm, I don't know, it's weird to see how our consumption habits change around different people. So just pay attention to it, and you don't have to like, Never go to your parents' house again in order to not eat bad food, but just pay attention and know when to, like, stop. Um, yeah. Another thing, to me, anyway, bread is not evil. <laughs> the bread aisle is not evil. Well, the way some things in grocery stores are produced, I'm not for. But Chandler makes homemade sourdough bread, and I'm obsessed with it. Homemade sourdough bread, cashew butter, and blueberry preserves. That is my, like, oh, it's the most nourishing, lovely snack I can think of. And I never would have said that a few years ago. Oh, yeah, and guess what? Pizza isn't bad either. How about that? I went for years saying, I do not eat pizza. Ew, gross, disgusting, OMG, I would never. I do eat pizza. I'm a little particular about the type and kind of pizza I eat, but I'm particular about most things that I eat, so whatever. Yeah, they're not bad. I don't know if we should eat a pizza a day or, like, loaves of bread a day, but every once in a while, if those things make you feel good or you're, like, in the moment and want to, you should feel empowered and comfortable with doing so. It might just take some work to get there. Yeah, and then the last point is the types of food you buy does matter. The types, the brands, the quality, it matters. It matters from... A health perspective. It matters from an environmental perspective. It matters from an economical perspective. So start caring about the types of food you buy and the brands that you buy. It really, really matters.
So I want to like riff on a couple of questions that I get a lot. And these aren't like the hard and fast answers to these questions, but they're just kind of what I'm feeling right now. There's no hard and fast answer to most of these questions, but they're good questions to think about and come back to a lot and get curious about. So one of the top questions I get is, well, what do you eat? And like this really weird judgmental way. And I'm like, well, I eat food, like real food. And by real food, I mean meat, locally sourced, sustainably raised meat, vegetables, mostly always organic, um, nuts, seeds, oils, vegetables. I eat like a pint of blueberries every day. I'm obsessed with blueberries. I eat Chandler sourdough bread. I eat delicious dark chocolate. I drink ciders and botanical spirits and wine and beer. I eat like high fat stuff. Yeah, I just, I eat real food and I enjoy life from the perspective of which I know how far I can go with certain snacks or indulgent foods. So it's not hard to eat real food. It's just getting to a place where you know what your body needs when it needs it and how to give it to it. So what do I eat is a big question. The second question I get is, how do I even get started? I could never give up bread or eliminate X, Y, Z, whatever. Um, I need to have a drink on the weekends with my friends. Like, I can't do that. I can't, like, people are so resistant and just, like, not even starting with something small because Whole30 or, like, an elimination challenge seems so daunting. So I have two answers. You can go all in or you can go slowly. You can do either. Um, it may take trying both approaches of going all in or taking one thing out of at a time to figure out what works for you, but you can literally go cold turkey or you can just take out bread or just take out sugar or just take out your mid-afternoon snack or whatever. Like, you can start however you want. Remember when I said there are no rules? Like, there are actually no rules with how you start. There's no wrong way to start as long as you start. Another question that I get is, what do I do if I don't have access to whole foods or can't afford them? I like to challenge this one a little bit because it's highly unlikely if you're listening to this podcast and you have access to the internet and leisurely time to do so, that you don't have access to real whole foods. I don't know your situation and I'm that's not to be judgmental or mean it's just to say that you likely have access and you just need to do a little research to find out where you can get high quality stuff for a good price. Farmers markets are an amazing place to start. They take every type of payment forms that exist. Anyone can go to a farmers market. Um there are local farms and well, there are grocery stores everywhere. So that one's a little tough for me is not having access because I believe that if you're looking for real food, you will find it just as much as if you are looking for junk, it'll be right there in front of you. And in regard to affording it, I think, you know, money's a weird thing for a lot of people. And if we're going to be spending money on anything, we should be prioritizing our dollars toward the food that we're putting in our bodies. 
So if you like a $12 mascara and also you want to buy an organic melon, I'd go for the melon. <laughs> like, sorry, the mascara is not going to add to your health. And actually, it's probably going to not be good for your health. I do wear mascara, by the way. But um, yeah, you have to weigh your options and see what you are spending money on and shift and pivot. If it matters that much to you, you'll move some things around and find a way to make it work. I know a lot of really interesting ideas where people will do like share like oh gosh I don't know what they're called meal shares where you get like you know you and six of your friends together and you each make six servings of a meal and then you swap them all so you end up having six different meals but you only made one of them I don't know what that's called I think it's called like a meal swap or something but there's some really cool ways to like have whole foods or have nice meals made without having to do so much work or search so hard. And also, like, you don't have to buy dragon fruits and passion fruits and avocados and, like, all of these hard-to-find items. You can just buy potatoes and carrots and celery. Like, you can buy, like, the simple veggies and make them really delicious. So you don't have to have, like, these like superfoods of the year or whatever in order to be healthy. I got an interesting question from a friend asking about how to deal with food guilt. And I'm not a psychologist. I haven't done a lot of I haven't done a lot of work here besides for myself. So from a mental perspective, I have looked very very deeply at my relationship with food mentally and emotionally. That's not to say I'm an expert or I have the answer, but what I do is I grab my journal and I ask myself, why am I feeling guilty? Why am I craving this thing? Why do I feel pressured to eat a certain way around certain people? And I just write about it. That's what I do. I grab my journal and I ask myself and I answer the question. And I work on it. That's that's all I do. I don't... I don't have a lot a lot of advice here just to say, like, be there for yourself. Because the answers are inside of you, and you'll probably find some really interesting responses when you start asking yourself. How do I deal with clean plate syndrome? I dealt with this too. I'm I'm a clean plate club kid. I typically always clean my plate, and it feels really hard for me to not clean my plate because I don't want that food to go to waste. It's like this weird double-edged sword where you can either stuff yourself or let it go to waste and feel okay and then you feel guilty and I don't know. Um, But what I have to say here is as an adult, you are usually in charge of what, what and how much food goes on your plate. And honestly, if you're eating out and you only want half of the food, you're allowed to say to the server please only bring me half of this serving. And they will look at you weird. They will kind of resist and be like, well, we don't do that. And you can politely reply, you know, I'd really prefer to get half of the meal. I'm a food waste advocate, and I don't want to contribute to that problem. And smile. They're not going to push a customer too hard if the customer is insistent on something that they want that actually saves the restaurant money. Like, you're not consuming half of the food and you're paying full price. Like, as long as you're cool with that, 
then make your plate built to how you want it. Every time I ordered burgers in the past, I always asked to not include the bun. And they would look at me a little weird, and they would bring my burger patty on the plate. (laughs) I like eating it that way. And I didn't like bread back then, if you remember that. So you can like ask for whatever you want and stand your ground and be polite and be considerate and people will likely comply with your preference if you are polite and you explain your intent. And if you're at home dealing with clean plate syndrome, you can measure food out, you can portion it out differently, you can make your plate and then put everything else away so you're not tempted to get a second serving. But really, it's just a mindfulness around how much food you're putting on your plate and why. And if you get too much food on your plate, you can store it and eat it later. So that's great. Um, But yeah, clean plate syndrome is a personal journey and you just have to get curious about why you're feeling the way you're feeling and why you're doing the things you're doing. Another few things that I hear is like, I'm too busy. I can't do that. I can't meal prep. I can't cook. All of the different excuses that come up. And to me, I think I'm too busy is the laziest, laziest excuse. No one is too busy to feed themselves or else you would die. So that's gruesome. I know, but like, it's true. You have to eat and you get to choose what you eat. I, I don't know. I don't feel like there are any excuses nowadays with so many options out there. Even in small towns, even in fast food restaurants, there are, there are clean or healthier options available to you. So another piece, and I'll make this the last one, is I always fall off the wagon. Do you have any advice to help? Anyone who asks me this question usually seems pretty desperate for an answer, and they, they always fall off. Like, they can never stay on the wagon, and they just feel like they're constantly falling off. My reply is... Get back on as soon as you notice. Don't plan or try to rationalize that you need to get back on track. Just start choosing to get back on track immediately. Like as soon as you notice, pivot. There's no time to sit and think about starting next Monday because you fell off on a Thursday. Just just start again. Just start choosing better. That's all you have to do. And like make your own rules. Make it fun. Incentivize yourself. Challenge yourself to do five days out of the seven days a week of whatever you're working on and then reward yourself. Like you can, you can incentivize yourself to do better and that's totally fine. Like that's actually good. Don't punish yourself. It's not worth it. Here are some simple ways to start getting curious about your relationship with food that have helped me and that I've, I feel are a good place to start. So number one, just start tracking what you eat and observe how it makes you feel. You don't have to change anything right now. Grab a notebook and a pen, carry it everywhere with you, and just track and observe. That's all. Like you're a reporter. Like... Be the reporter of your life and watch yourself and see how you act and watch how you choose and watch the words and the thoughts that you have about food. 
So you might hear yourself saying should a lot. I should eat this. I should do this. I should try this. I should do better. And if you notice yourself shoulding a lot, as my previous yoga teacher used to say, like, don't should all over yourself. I love that phrase. I think it's hilarious. Um, Watch your words and your thoughts and start to like shift your language into the reality that you want to be living in. Number two is eliminate one thing, like just one, or cut back. Recently, I was getting curious about my coffee consumption habits, and I knew I couldn't, well, it's not that I knew I couldn't, it's I knew it would be harder to give up coffee all at once. So I cut back from two to three cups a day to one cup. And now I'm happy to say that I am one week into not drinking coffee. I'm not certain if I feel better because I've been traveling and I'm in the Midwest and allergies are different here, but you can like cut back or eliminate one thing or one piece of the thing that you're trying to eliminate. Number three, find a friend or group to get curious about the stuff with together and always ask yourself why. Why do I want this? Why do I believe this? Why am I doing this? Having a support group is essential to anything in life. Allow yourself to be supported and support others. And ask yourself why all the time. Those are kind of two different, those are two points in one. But you get the deal. Number four. I believe your biggest job is to understand when you are truly hungry and what will nourish you. That's it. This should have been number one, probably. Understand when you're hungry and what you need to be nourished. Number five, I've said it a million times probably by now, just eat real food, period. You don't have to be vegetarian or vegan or paleo or keto. You can just eat the food the earth provides and learn to appreciate it and prepare it with love. Just real food. It's actually that simple, and you can let it be simple. Point number six, uh, do like a kitchen purge. (laughs) The kitchen purge sounds so extreme. Get rid of everything that's distracting you or making you feel snacky or wanting to fall into your old ways, or when one thing runs out, replace it with a new, better, cleaner option, whatever it is. So... I've done this a lot with my plastic consumption and my cleaning and beauty products, which I'll do another podcast about that. But basically the idea is when when your sugar runs out, I don't, I've never bought sugar, um, when your sugar runs out, replace it with cane sugar or coconut sugar or whatever healthier option you might be interested in, but don't just go ahead and buy the same thing when you're trying to get rid of it. I can't think of a better example for that, but um, when something runs out, replace it with a better option. Number seven, drink a lot of water, like all of the water, and appreciate the fact that water is not unlimited. Water does not magically come out of your spout. It is a resource of the earth, and nourish yourself with it. Drink clean, good water. Also, don't drink out of plastic. That's all. I'll cover that in a different episode. Number eight, always look for how colorful your plate is. So if your plate is quite bland, you could probably work toward 
making it more colorful. And just get creative with, if you're an artist or a creative thinker, like plate setting is a really fun way to express yourself and also create something beautiful on your plate that is good for you. Um, number nine, we do like a eat everything in the fridge night before we like travel for a long time or before we go to the grocery. So this is kind of like making a big soup or a big stir fry with everything in the fridge. This is a really cool way to eliminate food waste and also understand what you're eating a lot of and what you have a lot left over of. I do this thing where I kind of, I buy something and I'm like, oh, we can make this with it. And then we end up not using it and then it goes into the eat everything in the fridge meal and I'm like, oh yeah. I probably shouldn't have bought that thing with the idea of cooking with it unless I really intended on using it. So it's just a fun way to see what's in the fridge and what has been pushed to the back without you knowing. Number 10, I'll let number 10 be a few things. Um, plastic, get rid of all the plastic in your kitchen. I'm not joking. Switch to glass containers. Stop buying the things wrapped in 900 layers of plastic. Don't put your vegetables in plastic. Like that, it just doesn't make sense to me. Um, I'll do another episode about this. Get rid of the plastic. It's not good for your health. The other few points is I do have, like I mentioned, a free, a free ebook. I didn't mention this actually. A free ebook called the Eat More Veggies Challenge over on my website, and then I also have the Clean Eating ebook and the free Clean Eating Guide. I do have a lot of different recipes on my website, and I'll be adding more over time. So those are all free and for your, for your enjoyment. So I hope you like them. A few closing thoughts: food does not magically appear in a store. I think it's very, very important to know where your food comes from and to care about the hands that grew your food, to be grateful, to say thank you, and to not just magically expect it to always be there. I'll be diving deeper into food consumption and waste in a future podcast, as well as a lot of other food-related topics, but I hope this gives you a nice overview of how to look at and think about your own habits in relationship to food, and know that you can change the rules. You can make this stuff really fun if you want to. Remember, it's up to you to find what works for you, and no one else's way or opinion matters if you are truly honoring your needs, your wants, and your desires. Period. That's all I've got. I love you guys. Thank you, thank you for listening. I will be back with episode three. I will see you on the internet or wherever soon.